Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thanks for joining us today for episode six of Hunt the World. I'm Brian Maiman, co-founder of Rolling Bones Outdoors. With me to my left is the great Brian Martin. As always, love having you over to my left. Good wingman place. Across the table is Brad Dana. We put him over there so I don't choke him out or he doesn't choke me, actually throw things at me while we're doing this. But today we're going to be focused on wilderness hunting gear and preferences. And I say that because Brian is absolutely an expert on this, has been for years, used to write for Hunting Fool, the gear section, and uh, as you've heard him speak of before, but anybody that spends as much time as he has in the wilderness has strong opinions on what works. And I I guess I would even argue that they're not really opinions at this point. (laughs) They are knowns. And he is an authority on this, and we give great deference to what he says a lot Now, there's some personal things that uh, we can both contribute that we've had, and I think that that's the big thing that everybody should understand when we go through this today. Uh, But I don't know if it's going to make an hour. I don't know. It'll make an hour. I don't know if it's going to make a half an hour because this should be a, a long one and an enlightening one. But my encouragement would be sit back, listen, take notes, and get some things that can make you specifically better because there's going to be a lot of that today. So I mentioned wilderness hunting gear, wilderness type hunts, gear, and uh, our opinions of it and expectations of what you should take. You could call it backpack. I call it wilderness hunting because, you know, people think sometimes wilderness is just uh, with a bunch of, you know, maybe the Schwamigan National Forest in in Wisconsin because that's a big wilderness area. Or maybe it's in British Columbia. Could be the Bob Marshall in Montana. Could be a multitude of different places, uh, wilderness hunting. Uh, but I would say extreme backcountry type hunting would also be another definition of it. But Brian Martin's absolutely the authority. So, uh, you know, tell us what you're thinking, Brad. And I'd love to contribute here on our opinions. We've both done several of these, but I don't know if anybody's done as much as what is your friend there say from Bozeman? Been there, done that, MacGyvered it, and it didn't work. And I know, and you have a story about it. Would that be accurate? A few times, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that do do what I do. I've probably done it in more environments than most people. Yes. More desert, uh, wet, mountainous, Africa, Central Asia. So I handed out uh, both you and uh, um, Brad uh, two equipment checklists that I've used over the years. One was for guided hunters, and uh, I revised that one some for most of the Asian hunts that I do now. Most of the hunts I did were always in British Columbia. Um, and then the other one is a self-guided equipment checklist for going on a 7- to 12-day backpack hunt list. So I, if you take that list... It's basically you can leave off or add to it, but it's mainly most of the stuff a person would need for all aspects of a trip for going anywhere in the world. And uh, when I go anywhere in the world outside the United States, I always travel like as if I'm not going guided, unless it's to a really civilized country like Spain or 
parts of Africa where you don't have, uh, you know, you, you come back to the base camp every night. But if you're going to be out in the mountain where you don't have any support from the rest of the world, uh, there's a reason I put this down. Maybe you don't need everything, but I always bring a few extra things. And so let's say if there's three or four of us going on a hunt um, to save weight, we don't need to all take four cameras and four spotting scopes and four um, tripods and four of everything. Let's say if there's uh, two guides, a packer and a hunter, or two hunters and two guides. Sometimes you can share some of the stuff, but somebody needs to have the stuff that I have on the list at, at some point. Because I, I mean, one of the things I've said several times is that it's it's surviving, not surviving, but thriving. So, so many people I know that, well, how light your pack? Well, I can get down to 35 or 40 pounds. I said, yeah, but if you have a big rainstorm that comes in, if you have a big windstorm, if you have a foot of snow, you're not going to be able to hunt for a day or two because you're going to be have to go build a fire and fix everything and dry everything. Where if you pack the list I have, you can pretty well deal with anything and you have enough extra stuff. So as soon as the weather breaks, you can go hunting and you're not, uh, you're not surviving, you're thriving. Well, you might be sweating hard, you might have sore feet, but at least you've done the best you can to prepare everything. So when I do the equipment list, I start with the clothing. And I'm not going to talk about specific brands um, because that can get old and boring, and also it's not as critical as what you look for in features. So Brian was talking here just before we started the podcast about socks. Like He likes a, a, um, a cotton sock. I prefer uh, a synthetic blended with wool. Wool-only socks tend to lose their elasticity over time, and if you want to wear them, I typically plan on socks um, to wear between two and four days before I change. If you got really sm smelly or really sweaty feet, you can change your liner if you want and add the keep the outside of the sock the same. But I always wear two socks. M me personally, I got skinny feet, and so I'll either wear a liner and a heavy sock, or I'll wear two medium size. But I don't wear the ultra ultra thin ones. Sometimes I wear those like if I go on a trail run or something. When I used to trail run a lot, if I didn't wear a, li a light liner, I would get blisters. And um, for the obviously boxers and briefs. Boxers are way better, in my opinion, than briefs. The, you know, the tidy whities just don't really work very well. I prefer, I used to wear more wool, but I wear more, more, more synthetic because they're more elastic and they stay down your legs. You just don't want them to roll up and give you chafing. Long underwear, tops and bottoms, very critical. Um, I prefer synthetic and wool. Usually I bring, if it's not very cold out, I may not even bring a long underwear bottom. But usually if it's going to be wet, usually if it's going to be cold, I'll have at least one bottom. And I can wear that with my rain gear. So I basically, I can have a pair of pants. I'm going to have a pair of pants with long underwear. I can have, if it's really hot and rainy, I can wear just my rain pants. I can wear the, um, the, box, uh, the long underwear bottoms with rain pants, and I can wear all three. So I can change from, say, 80 degrees Fahrenheit down to zero with the clothes that are in my pack. Um, if it's really wet, really cold, and you're going to be sweating all the time or always going to be uh, wet, then I might take two bottoms. But usually I only take one bottom. And as far as the tops, I usually take usually one T-shirt and one or two zip-type tees. If it's really hot out and I'm not going to be doing much cold weather, I may only take one zip tee and then sometimes maybe just one T-shirt. But you always want to have one dry of everything that's against your skin when you go to sleep at night. And so if you get in a bad pinch and you're starting to get a hypothermia, you can put a dry top on, a dry bottom on. And, you know, if your pants are wet, you can take your... Um, pants off and put the dry bottom on with a rain gear. So you always have, you always want to think, what can I do to stay, get dry? So you, it, maybe you can't start a fire. I do a lot of hunts like Central Asia, uh, Northern BC. You're not in the trees and you don't have any way to, especially Yukon, Brooks Range. There's no way to start a fire. So you have to think, 
if I have crawl into my sleeping bag, my sleeping bag's dry, my long underwear's dry, and my sleeping pad is not flat, I'm good to go. So with pants, I only take one pair. I always say take two pair on my list because who knows when you get to where you're hunting. I've had times you show up in the Brooks Range August 1st and it's 70 degrees. You could do it the next year. And by the 10th of August, it's it could be 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So I usually take one pair of pants that I wear with me that's a little bit lighter and I take a heavier pair. Um, shirts and pullovers is kind of personal preference. A lot of times I only take one. Uh, one hey, good shirt. Let's back up one yeah. quick second. I just want to add to the socks, the base layer part of this. Yep. Um, you know, I, I know we said cotton. I, I wear the cotton simply because it my feet sweat. I, I have super hot feet. And like if I, I have all three of the boots with 400,000 and non-insulated and just the membrane and the non-insulated creates sweat in my feet most of the time. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, is I wear cotton socks all year long. So when I go hiking, I like to have one. I have one. I have an alpaca sock. We talked about that too. From a wool perspective, it's a lot softer and it's, it's easier on my foot than a synthetic wool. I, it seems to me with my, my makeup of my skin, I blister easy with those. My encouragement to you listening today would to be go, if you're gonna do a hunt like this, I would go buy three or four different pair of socks. I'd go to buy three or four different pair of underwear. I would go buy two or three different pair of base layers. I would do my due diligence and read on them and or call in here at 605-644-8000, talk to Brad, talk to Brian, tell them your personal situation and let us, let us give you what we know about what we know about this because I see so many guys run up the mountain and what they don't do is they don't try this stuff on. They don't go to bed with it on until they, you know, they don't sleep with their sleeping bag on top of their bed one night. They don't, uh, they don't try any of this stuff. And it's the biggest mistake that I made when I started doing this. And then what happened was everything I was comfortable and used to, I changed when I went hunting and it, it's, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't the right approach. Mm -hmm. And so, especially with the socks, the briefs, the long underwear and the base layer, I think it's imperative that people find what works good for them and, and, and their, and their makeup, their energy levels, their chemistry. Yeah. And the reason cotton is in an extreme cold or extreme wet weather is is a downside it's not as important for your feet because you still got your boots on mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's not like a pair of jeans that you're exposed to the atmosphere right um but the, what happens with cotton it absorbs water and loses its insulation and ability to help you stay warm where synthetic insulation which is typically anything made of an oil-based product which is your nylons your polyesters your polypropylene all that stuff it it doesn't absorb moisture into the fabric itself so it still has some insulation abilities and wool being a natural fiber off of an animal um, it, it, it has the ability to stay warm and retain and insulate even if it's wet. So you feel a little bit crappy. Sense. Wool does not, so the slowest drying is cotton. Number two is wool and number three, and synthetic dries faster than wool. Silk can also dry fairly fast, but it's not durable. So you have to think, that's why I don't wear anything that's super thick and too many layers on. So like my rain gear, I don't like insulated rain gear. I don't like, um, jackets that have Gore-Tex and, and down or synthetic in it for backpacking because you can't dry it out. You, it's great when you come back to a cabin at night and throw it up by the fire or switch. But if you have to dry things out, everything should be, I like one layer. And so same with my down. I don't ever hike with my down. I don't want my down getting wet. If I have a down puffy or bottom, it's for sitting and under the rain gear. If I'm going to get a little bit damp and I got, need to stay warm, I'll use my synthetic puffy if it's a thin one. And I don't mind if it gets wet. It's much easier to dry in the sun and the wind. So you have to think about drying it. And also for your feet, 
Um, I, I still, uh, the wool synthetic blends, the old wool socks were really itchy. The new ones aren't so bad, the merino wool. And then you have some alpaca type socks that we've all tried here. And um, you gotta have a sock too that stays up on your leg. And I like a tall sock, so when I wear high, long underwear, I don't get that long underwear gap between the low sock and the, and the long underwear because I got long legs, and that's never fun either. But yeah, I mean, you got to try it out. Um, there's certain things that I recommend that I know work. There's a lot of options out there. Again, it's not so important on what company you use, more on how you use it and the type of material you use. And the, the toughest thing you need to wear is your pants. If your rain pants and your hiking pants are not in good shape, you'll blow the ass out, you'll blow the knees out. Those are really important to come with a really strong pair of pants. If you don't, I've, I had a hunt once and my pants blew out and I had a big crotch rip and a leg rip on them and I had to do the whole hunt with them. And then, so I end up wearing my rain gear more. So I never take any pants that are on the edge of like kind of blowing out. Make sure you wear good ones or they're gonna be stitching them a lot. And then we talk about the shirts and pullovers quickly. Depending on what time, I might wear like, this is what I call a quick dry shirt that I got now. It's a button up in the front with a collar. You can flip the collar up and use it as a, you know, protect your neck against binocular straps and, and, the, and the sun. You can roll up the sleeves. You got two or three pockets. You can put game calls and stuff in them. I like one of those always. And if it's cold, cold weather, I might wear a thicker one or my fleece pullover. And uh, the reason I like a, a fleece pullover is if I'm really wet and I only have one long underwear top and my fleece is dry, I can wear it against my skin like a thicker long underwear top. So it gives you something else you can wear against your skin. Gloves, a huge thing. I take at least a couple pair of lightweight fleece gloves. Um, you can take a wool glove. They don't last as long. Uh, a fleece glove is great without, not the windproof fleece if it's wet. Windproof fleece is good if it's not going to uh, be raining all the time. But if you get windproof fleece, wet on the inside it doesn't dry quickly you can't you can wring it out but it just doesn't feel very good so if it's dry weather or kind of cool dry it's fine but i prefer fleece and i'll just let it get wet or my wool and i wring them out and just put them back on leather's good until you get it really wet um some of the waterproof gloves that guy that these companies make are fine but they need to have a liner sometimes i'll just take a, a basically just a gore-tex shell and I'll have two or three pairs of fleece liners, and I'll put those inside the shell. And then when you get wet, you just take them out, and if you need to put a dry pair in, because the Gore-Tex shell doesn't hold water. But if you have like a duck hunting glove or waterfowl-type hunting glove that's really warm, and you start sweating in it, it'll literally freeze solid on you. I've seen it where you can't even put your hands in them. So I like stuff that you can take in and out. I like um, a glove that has some insulation also where I can put an insulated liner on and put it inside the shell. And I always like something with really good leather palms and leather, the synthetic leather or real leather. So when you're crawling through the rocks, you don't wear their fingers out quickly. And if you fall down when you're going to run across a scree, shale, sh scree or shale slide, you don't um, land on your head and split your hands open. I've had a butterfly bandage a couple hunters' hands over the years where they're walking across slick rock in either ice or rain and took a fall on the sharp rocks and cut their hands wide open. So if you're going on the sharp rocks, it's always nice to have a leather-type glove, but typically not just an all-leather, usually like a fleece or a, a wool with leather uh, fingers and, and, and uh, thumb. Hats, um, you know, hats are huge. Uh, keep the sun off your face. <laughs> um, keep the uh, um, sweat off your eyes. <laughs> but I mean, just hats is a personal preference. I like a ball cap and I like something that I can wear with ear flaps um, if it gets really cold. Stocking caps, mix it up. And then rain gear for me is one of my most important things when I'm in the mountains, it stops the wind. I've never found any rain gear that's truly, truly waterproof if you're like sitting out in the rain, sitting out in the rain all day. And that's just like the rubberized Grunlands type gear you use on the 
uh, the Bering Sea fishing crab boats, but then you can't hike in those. So I look for rain gear that has pit zips and leg zips so I can dry out. I can take it in, on and off without removing my, uh, my boots. And then you go to your uh, jackets. Um, again, it depends on the time of year. Maybe you don't need but a lightweight jacket and a rain gear. Um, the colder it gets, the more likely you need a puffy jacket. If it's super cold and dry, then a synthetic is, is not as good as a down. But if it's really wet, then I don't even take down. I just use my synthetic puffy. And a puffy is basically a nylon-type shelled uh, product. Some of the synthetics are a little bit softer, but they, um, they are not super tough usually. But they have some type of insulation like a th uh, Thinsulate um, or Primaloft if it's synthetic. And if it's wool, of course, there's different kinds of wool. Uh, you got the low grade, which is the 550, and you can go up to 850 or 900 fill, which is a really, really high quality. Um, gators, if you're going to be in snow, mud, uh, lots of bush, the gators are always nice. Uh, I always take a couple of cotton handkerchiefs, one I put in my pocket, of course, for wiping the sweat off my head, and the other one I keep dry. Always, in case my binoculars get fogged up, it's nice to quickly wipe off your lenses in the heat of the moment. And then on the list, obviously, your, your, your spare clothes and stuff for traveling. Um, and then uh, we'll jump down to footwear. And I know everybody has their opinions on this. I mean, I, for me, hunting in hey, the mountains. Well, real quick, real quick, on the clothing part. Yeah. Brad, what would be your favorite thing that's in your pack you never leave without? I never leave without my puffy, and usually it's two puffies. And sometimes it's two puffy, puffies and a vest puffy. I get cold. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I don't like being cold. I hate shivering. I've been, I have, I get hypothermia. I hate them. Well, I and like I've been cold. with you when you get hypothermia. And Puffies you know what? Everybody has, everybody has different thresholds. <clears throat> and, and it doesn't make one tougher than the other um, because you can get it frostbite and not know you had frostbite until you land back in. Uh, um, can barely in, walk. In Anchorage and your feet swell up so bad that you can't walk. Because we've had all those experiences yeah. and we're going to talk about them. But at the end of the day, I wanted to know what would be the one pro – and I knew the answer. It's kind of a rhetorical I, I question. Know you know. But, but, but I, it's a good point because that's what I mean. You have to know you on a hunt like this, and you got to know what you want to have in there. For me, it, it's without question. It, it would be a wool sweater and, uh, and, and a, a really good rain shell. Yeah, the yeah. rain shell, it's amazing yeah. how much warmth. I think Just it's at least 10 degrees, maybe 15. And if the wind's out, it's like – hard to measure Night how much difference it's hard to it measure. is amazing it is amazing good rain gear people go oh what i don't need it because it's raining no no it's the best i sound like brian martin there no no it's the best it is without question the best piece of extra equipment to add to add heat to what you currently have because you can also hunt just in rain gear if it's raining all day i'll just hike in my underwear long underwear and rain gear and that's another point you made, the long underwear. I, I got to tell you, the, 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 having these pants that zip open down the legs for a guy who's hot, because I get hot, and then I start sweating. In my hey, you hand. hardly ever wear long, long handles. I, it's got to be. That's because you haven't done a bighorn hunt in October. Mm, maybe, but I've done a, I, but I've done You've a, done a stone sheep hunt in October. I've done a stone sheep hunt in October, and uh, um, it was miserable. And uh, what else I've done? is I've done a three-day coyote calling tournament in 36 below zero uh, with a windshield of 40 below, and that will get me to put long johns on, but that's about it. Yeah. I just, I sweat, my lower half sweats See, like crazy. because I always,
always. I, I almost, know. almost, almost always wear my silk long handles. My buddy starts September 1st. He puts I put silk, and Russell sometimes I do silk and then my merinos on. You're, you're like Russell. He yeah. puts your long johns on September 1st, take them off October 1st. Yeah, yeah I, I, I August 1st. My silks, my, they blow out, and I might spend $200 well, a year on silk long handles, but that's okay. Throw them away. Exactly. Well, there's a couple companies now that make zip-on zip off long underwear bottoms which is perfect so you get out of the tent in the morning and it's 20 degrees fahrenheit you get on your horse you ride for an hour or two and then you get off in glass and they say well we got to go we got to go climb instead of taking your boots off and your gaiters you just drop your pants down to your knees unzip them pull them up out of your socks now you got your hiking pants on you're good to go you don't have to take your boots and gaiters off and that's actually one of the coolest little inventions i've seen in the last 10 15 years the first company that came out with them was qu and um, I know there's some other companies that are doing them now, but uh, they definitely were a game changer. Saves about five, ten minutes and not having to take your long underwear off. A lot of times, this is the annoyance of taking my um, boots and, and gaiters off. I would not even put long underwear. I go cold in the morning. Since you mentioned the name of a product, uh-huh. Kings has a new product that they you do. zip the legs just off. now. Yes. And, and, and it's, I, I was just looking at it. You saw those at this trade show. Yes, the XKG. I'm going to be taking those because I can get rid of the legs. Those are the only two companies I've seen that make them and, so far. And I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about them because that will be a, a component I add to my, and they're not, they're not heavy. But if you wear these, you need to wear the tall, ugly, over-the-calf socks that go up to your knees. Otherwise, you will have high water, long underwear, and I hate that. If you have a standard sock that's like this over the, right. you know, above your ankle, no good. You, well, mu- you must wear the tall ones. And, and if you don't wear two, they still slide up. So I wear two pairs of tall socks, and I put the long underwear between the two pairs of socks. Well, I'm going to British Columbia to film a, uh, Brad's stone sheet this summer, and I'm going to actually bring shorts because um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try those new shorts that they have with the zip-off. They're, they're the heavier-duty ones. Because I, I get so hot. But anyway, they're like preacher pants. I, I don't mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. Oh, that, that, well, the, the Kiwis wear long underwear bottom and a pair of shorts. Yeah. And I yeah. wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind doing that because with those zip out and a pair of shorts, because I can see August hunting doing that with my gaiters on. I just get so hot. I mean, I really do. And I got, you know, and if I wear, I have a wool pullover with a puffy, boom, I warm up in a second. But I guess my point to that is not what I'm wearing and or what you're wearing. It's that the, the listeners, oh, you, you on this, you listening in today, you got to figure it out for you. And I, I encourage, to, you know, getting some of this stuff um, and trying it out. And so you got to have a couple pairs of products that are wind resistant. At least I don't recommend full windproof other than your rain gear. Because the full windproof, when you're sweating, it sweats right out and it's hard to dry. I couldn't agree more. So for me, for my wind jacket, I usually use a soft shell, which is not... A lot of people think they're rain gear. They're not rain gear. They're not fully windproof. If it's a fully windproof soft shell, it's not good for backpack hunting, more of a horsebacking deal. But it cuts the wind at, say, 10, 15, 20 mile an hour. If it's more than that and it gets below freezing, then you need to put your rain gear on. And a lot of your synthetic puffies are quite good at cutting the wind and they dry fairly quickly. Yes. So the first one that I ever saw was years ago was a, called the Marmot Wind Shirt, which had a tiny, tiny layer of insulation, and it was nylon. But that thing, and 15, 20 miles an hour, there's other companies that made them. ORs made them. Uh, QU's made them. I know that actually one of the King's products, they make, make one that's very similar. It's a lightweight synthetic, and it really helps in the wind. And you can wear it as a standalone over your long underwear when you're hiking, and it dries really quickly. You just do not wear your downs when you're hiking. Do not wear them to the bush where they'll snag and tear. They're designed for sitting or for light hiking without a pack. 
are, you know, they're a great glassing product. But I, great if I advice. if I have a down down puffy, I always have a, a at least a lightweight or medium um, synthetic puffy because they're typically a little tougher. And they definitely can dry a lot quicker. And the thing is, you can go to sleep if you have to in a synthetic puffy wet, and your heat, your body heat will push the moisture out. If you do that with a down, the, you're, you're, it's not good. Down in cotton, you don't want to sleep in unless it's dry. So let's move to footwear here. Footwear, super key. <clears throat> the two most important things other than your gun and your optics are your boots and your pack, in my opinion. You can borrow almost everything else. But the key is that for me, boots, I, I have, most people had foot issues um, at some point if you're going to use your feet hard, whether it's plantar fasciitis, which is basically the connective tissue on the bottom of your foot getting strained. And it's like, yeah, it's tendonitis. Most people had tendonitis someplace, tennis elbow, um, Achilles tendonitis, something. But tendonitis on the bottom of your foot is terrible. And um, I always have a custom orthotic, at least have a super foot or like a sole insole or something like that, but I prefer a custom orthotic. And one of the products we, we're talking about is uh, the ones from Doctors Orthotics, and they work great. Um, you can go to your podiatrist, but those are usually at least $600. Um, but you need something that you can get custom to your foot, especially if you have a high arch. If you have a flat foot like a caveman, it's not quite as critical. But even that, you still want some type of an arch support. Um, the boots, in my opinion, I like all leather. I like something that has a good rubber rand and a good sole. For for hunting in the mountains, I like something that has really good ankle support also. I've had ankle issues my whole life and sports injuries when I was a teenager, and those have kind of given me grief as long as I can remember. Um, so I know I know we all have been wearing Kenetrex. There's lots of good boots. I, I like them because I like the, the ankle support that you can get, the ortho boot. They actually make one with a guide, the guide boot with the new ortho, which is what I like. I've worn many different kinds, but I mean, there's La Sportiva and there's um, Zamberlin. There's some really good companies out there that yeah, we've tried them all exactly, and, For, and they're all good. Yeah, low, I, I'm a Low is great. Mendel's great. Yeah. Um, Handwag. I mean, you got to choose. It's 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 for me. You, you have to do. Don't for, don't look at the boots company's name. Look at how it fits you. Right. Some companies make a lot more boots than others. For example, Kenetrek makes wides, narrow, and standards. Some companies only make a, a standard and a, and, a, and a wide. Some companies don't make narrows. Um, some companies' standard is wide for me, and it doesn't even fit me. So you have to look. Every company is a little bit different. Um, yeah, but, but some of it's dependent <laughs> upon what fits you. Because I have a pair. My the pair of boots, the most expensive pair of boots I have is one of those companies that you mentioned. Aaron Fredlin wears them and loves them. And they're the worst boot from my foot I've ever put on. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, you have to. So when you buy a boot, you want to make sure there's enough toe room in it so when you're going downhill, you don't smash your toes. I try on boots. When I go try on boots, I take a couple different pairs of socks, take different insoles, and make sure when I put my foot in and I'm st stepping like on a slope and I can put my hand behind my heel, I still want at least a one, one finger thickness, maybe even two, uh, not not sideways, but you know. So I'm going to say about a half an inch that I want behind, before before my toe is actually smashed against, where I can just barely touch it. If it's less than that, and you're doing a lot of downhill, there's a good chance you're going to smash your toe. And do it in the later in the day. If it's early in the morning, your feet aren't swollen. And so if you try on new boots early in the morning, it's better to do it in the afternoon. Your feet swell throughout the day, and that's when you're going to get the toe jam at the end of the day. Always start with new laces. Good advice. Um, Your finger or Brian's? Well, you know, you know what's Depends funny, too, is <laughs> I'm, I've heard guys tell me, yeah, I cut my toenails like right before I went on the trip. 
Mm, let's not do that. You know what I'm saying? I, I, well, if you do it on a regular, maybe you cut your toenails for like a month, yeah, then you do it. Right. I got a long toenail. You don't do that. I, well, I've, I've had either guys. Either your fingernails. It'll, yeah. um, you do it a few days before the trip. Yep. Cause you can, and everybody's different again. Some people have really tough fingers and toes, and some other people, they cut them and they start bleeding because they cut them back yeah. too short. So my advice would be, if you cut your toenails often, that's fine. But if you don't, make sure you do it a week or so before you go on your trip so you're settled into what you're doing. Yeah. And then, so what I do, um, you know, Aaron was talking about, he ruins a lot of the stitching on the back of his boots when he's running down shale hillsides. So there's a product called Freesole or Seam Grip 2. They're the same, same company, same product. You clean up the back of your boot, make sure there's no oil on it. I wait, I do it with my boots new. I wear them for a few weeks and then get them roughed up a little bit, dry them off really good and make sure that there's no dirt on them. And I put two layers of Freesole or Seam Grip on the back around where your Achilles tendon is, up to, you know, about three, four inches above the bottom of your boot. And that right there will lock the seams in. I do two layers. I put one layer on and wait for another four to six hours and put another coat. And that will keep your boots from getting blown out. Um, one of the biggest tricks I've learned um, is I put down Gore-Tex socks. There's other different companies that make different socks. You, you, we bought some the other year. Yeah, we tested But I still, for me, I had a Cabela's Gore-Tex socks or Rocky Gore-Tex socks or what I originally used because I know they work. And, um, so let's say we come to a big Creek and we forgot a Creek crossing shoes, or let's say the horse falls down the Creek or whatever it is, you try and run across an icy Creek and it breaks. And now you're soaked. Your boots are soaked on the beginning of a 10 day backpack hunt. You will not dry out your Gore-Tex boots with fire or anything else. Only way to do is like one of those peat boot dryers or to put them by a fire for a couple of days. Um, like, and that's not possible. So you just basically take your wet socks off and then I put just one sock on, and usually not the heaviest one, but a medium sock, and I put my Gore-Tex socks on, and I pour the water out of my boot, put them back in, I seal start hiking. Skins. Seal skins is what we bought last seal year. Seal skins, nope. And the you other bought one. those Randy. There's actually another Randy. one. Randy Sons. Randy, Randy Sons. Sons. Randy so you can try them all. And I, I like the Randy Sons. Yeah, those were nice. You can try them all, and they'll all work. And, and if it's a really wet environment, I would recommend taking one of each because you will literally, you can actually, after two days of wearing these socks, you can actually almost wear your boots dry where you can actually just go not to wearing and walking in the Gore-Tex socks. Now, the only downside about the Gore-Tex socks, well, there's several downsides, but one is that they can they can crease. If they don't fit your sock and your foot right, you got to get the right size. You can get like little sore spots from wearing them. That's where like the Randy Sun or the seal skin can be good. So I would put those on over top of a normal sock for me, at least something thin. I haven't worn them in the conditions I have, but I can tell you 100%, a 13-inch tall, Cabela's or Rocky non-insulated will keep your feet from getting frost, nip, and cold. I didn't have these once on a stone sheep hunt in British Columbia in um, 1994, and my feet were damaged for a month, and they were like it was like hell because it got super cold in early September and was freezing at night, and I couldn't get my feet dry. And I would sit there. I, when I would glass, I would take my shoes out of the boots, wrap them in a jacket, wrap them in... Uh, my rain fly because it's raining and snowing on me almost every day and I, otherwise I couldn't feel my feet so feet are super super critical there are some new electric socks one of the hunters this year in Asia had a pair from Switzerland that are really really impressive and uh, you can record them uh, you can um, you actually charge them with a USB just like you would your cell phone and that's what I recommend how much, how much does it take to power them up um, I take a USB pack like that, and I would I'd probably just wear. I would say probably put them on for 10, 20 minutes until you get your feet warm. But there's a trick. I'll I'll save it for tips and tricks later on, um, where I will discuss 
how to get your feet wet if you don't, I mean, feet hot, if you don't have electric socks um, without ruining your, um, <laughs> without ruining your boots. The other thing is you can get these hot hands or the hot feet, but they're not really good for walking. And then you got to take your boots off and you got to take, you know, but if you're, if right. you get wet feet, you got to take your boots off and switch them up anyway. But there's a couple tricks for warming up feet and keeping yourself from getting frostbite that I've learned over the years that we'll share in future articles. But so feet, foot is huge, huge. And, and at night with your footwear, I take a garbage bag so you can put them in your sleeping bag. It sounds crazy, but if you don't want your, especially if your boots are wet from crossing creeks and you leave them outside in your vestibule and it's 20 degrees or 10 degrees at night, it will freeze them solid, hard, hard, stiff. And you can't get them on in the morning. So I put my boots in a garbage bag or a similar uh, bag and put them inside my sleeping bag. So never have a little tiny short sleeping bag. Yeah, so somebody like Brian's height would always need an, a, large, a, a large, tall sleeping bag. Never even a standard. A good idea, Brian. Yep, always a big sleeping bag so you got room for your boots on the end of it. You've you never know, taken a bag that didn't fit you, did you? Yeah, I took a short one one time, way before <laughs> I knew you. Um, but then, I, then I, I remedied that. I knocked Mark Casavan out. Took his sleeping bag and then everything was fine because he's short. So yeah. Anyway, but so and then also the blister, blister. Oh, sorry, the blister stuff. Um, take a lot of moleskin works, but it comes off if your feet get wet. Your best for for keeping your feet uh, functional is is the blister bandages. There's different ones in case you get a bit blister if you have to prevent. That's what one. I was just looking up. I was going to try to find the one I used this last two years. You, you don't and athletic tape. I'll, I'll, I'll find out what it is. But but you put athletic it on. tape over a blister bandage. Yeah. You, the, did the, you ever try that Leukotique, the medical tape I gave you? Uh, a little bit. It's yeah, pretty that's, good. That's even better. These things that you put on that I took last year, they were in Mountain. Uh, they Mountain were in Medic. Uh, Mountain, what's that, Medic. Ryan Mountain Medic. Yeah, yeah. Mountain Medic. Yeah. So he he puts them in there, and uh, um, I'm a huge advocate of them. You put them on a hot spot right when it starts, it literally adheres to your skin and almost like you, you, it, it's kind of like a little. Gel. They're amazing. They're great. I'll get the name. But if you don't tape over them in a hard day, they'll come off, and then you have a big gum up a bally. I didn't oh. experience that, but anyway. Uh, um, well, trust me. Nine out of ten times after two days, they'll come up in a no, big no. old gall, ball. No, no, I didn't experience and that. And then it'll ruin your it'll ruin your sock. I didn't experience that, but I probably didn't have a 400-pound pack on like the legendary Ryan Martin has. Hey, listen, we're at... You uh, probably change them every day. <laughs> we're, no, I didn't change them once. It, it was amazing. They, they were really good. I'll get the name of them. Um, but, uh, and there are some new ones out there that are tougher that may, but I've never had one that won't come off eventually. And it depends on your, your fit sweat, typically, too. Yeah, well, the, the, the cool thing for what we've done today is we've covered clothing and footwear, and uh, we, we, uh, we, we would, <laughs> these, get, these get a lot of information. I always worry about data overload, but uh, we, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to tell you thanks for joining in today. Go check out us at Rolling Bones uh, Outdoors, or just go in there and Google Rolling Bones. It'll come to us, rollingbones.com. Go to look at our hunts. Check on the gear list. I'm going to make this available as it's standalone. So if you go under if you go under products, we'll put it under the Rolling Bones tab under products. If you click on there, I'll break these up and have our staff put them in two. We'll do a hunter's equipment check gear list for DIY and backpack, and then we'll do both of them. And we'll call them uh, we'll call them the Brian Martin uh, gear list. So you can just go there, click on them, download them. Okay. We'll make them available to all of you. You can take these off of there. Go check out our product store. We got great product providers that really deliver great stuff for this type of hunting. Appreciate you checking us out, coming and listening today. Um, and before we go, remember, we have our Zoom, Hunt the World Zoom, Tuesdays and Friday nights. 
Uh, it's a Hunt the World webcast. We go through a slideshow. Tonight's going to be an amazing one. It is Tuesday, I guess. So, But if you listen to this in the future, make sure you go to Tuesday and Friday to the 7, uh, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, and we're talking about hunting somewhere, some way, somehow in the world. You join us. You'll love it. Uh, appreciate you listening today. Thank you. <laughs>